thank you again, my friends, for being here. And as I mentioned, I wanted to talk about the hindrances and really the subtlety of the hindrances, because if you've been practicing for a while, you've probably heard about them. Um, they are what get in the way of our awakening. They're what get in the way of our enlightenment and our freedom. And uh, Buddha boiled all the things that get in the way of enlightenment in down to five things, the sensory desire and ill will and sloth and torpor, dullness, um, restlessness and worry and doubt. And so those are five big categories, but they can show up in all kinds of different ways. And that's what I wanted to talk on tonight because intellectually sometimes you understand the idea of the hindrances, but then when you're actually... Um, absorbed or consumed by them, you don't see them for what they are. And so that's what I want to talk about. The Buddha, the Buddha talked about it in the, one of the suttas. It says that he said, these are the five obstacles that overwhelm awareness and cloud the mind and that they are corruptions of the mind and weakeners of wisdom. And I really like the idea of the hindrances as a form of delusion because we're seeing things a certain way. We're caught in a particular view, whatever the view is. And when we're caught in that view, we're really believing it. We want, this is the way it is. This is what has to happen. This is what I have to do. This is what you have to do. And so we're, we're missing the, we're, we're missing the um, bigger picture. And we're just caught up in that. And so if you can begin to recognize how they show up for you, and although these are very broad categories, we each have our own experience with them and how they show up for us. And that recognition is what begins to bring the clarity. You know, the experience of the hindrance might still be there, but we have, uh, we can see it for what it is, and it no longer holds sway much of the time. Sometimes it's still there, but then we, but we see it for what it is. It's like we're still caught in it, but it, we're not like 100% bought into it. And eventually, there comes a time, and I've had this experience, and I know probably many of you have, that we don't even connect with whatever hindrance is happening, whatever craving or aversion or, or dullness or restlessness or worry, and instead rest in the awakening factors, which in the four foundations of mindfulness, the fourth foundation is um, awareness of the dhammas, uh, foundation of the dhammas, and the two, the two big um, uh, lists that are contained in all the early suttas, all the different translations in the Chinese and the Pali, all the different iterations of it are the hindrances and the awakening factors. And so if the hindrances are not present, the awakening factors are present. And I'll talk a little bit more about them later. And that's what guides us to uh, tranquility and, and equanimity and, and total freedom at some point. And so it's important to recognize both the hindrances and then also when they're not present. So I just want to touch a little bit about on each of these and invite you to reflect as I do on how they might show up in your in your life, in your world. And again, I, I really like the idea of hindrances as delusion. Um, so the first one is sensory desire, where we seek pleasure through our senses. We want, 
We want things to smell good and look good and taste good and feel good and, and sound good. We want all the nice music and all the good food and all the good stuff. And, and we get in caught up in this, this, um, this wanting things to be pleasant all the time. We want to live happily ever after. And so we, got, we get caught into this desire. Um, there's, a, there's sometimes an underlying fear of discomfort or... Um, yeah, there's a, sometimes an underlying fear, which is why we crave so much. And it's not even necessarily craving um, for cherries on top of ice cream. You know, I want all the good stuff. I want, you know, yay all the time. Sometimes we're even caught up in um, a craving, a clinging to the idea of the way things should be, um, the way people should behave, how you know, this society should be and there should be an elimination of poverty and there should be economic justice and there should be an end to patriarchy and colonial thought and systems of oppression and all those things. That is actually, there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with wanting those things. We want economic equality and we want justice and, and all these things. That's good, but when wanting something slips over into needing to have it this way right now, that's when it causes us suffering. That's when we get blinded by it because we have this fixed idea of this way and how it's supposed to be. And it causes a lot of, um, it causes a lot of suffering. It causes a lot of suffering for us and causes a lot of suffering for other people, a lot of discomfort. Um, recognition of that um, wanting that greediness, that grasping. Um, what also comes up, how also this, this hindrance shows up is um, uh, inadequacy, not having enough, it's not being enough. There's got to be, I need to have more. And we live in a society that tells us eh, not quite enough. You need to do a little bit more in order to get be okay. And if we can just recognize that, no, it's actually right now, it's like this. This is okay right now. Releasing that. Not saying that this is perfect and good and that there's not being harm caused. But right now, it's like this. I saw a meme, uh, a, a Dharma teacher here in Los Angeles posted it on Instagram on her site. And it was two panels of a cartoon and, and the first one said, it's raining. Damn it, I hate rain. Everything's going to be ruined. I can't go to the picnic, blah, 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 blah. And the other one said, oh, rain. So as with everything, it's not the thing itself. It's our relationship to it. If we see something and we get into this place of, ah, that's a, that's a, that's a sign that we need to pull back from that. So watching this greediness in, you know, in the, um, in the, uh, there's a, there's a, a kind of a teaching about the Buddhist personality types that are based on the, the, the defilements. And there's a greedy personality type, there's an, ang an aversive, um, and then there's a deluded and type. And I have figured out that I fall into the greedy type, not because I want stuff, 
but because I want to do all the things and I want to help all this, I want to just have, I want to do everything. I want to sit all the retreats. I want to take all the classes. I want to read all the books and they're beneficial things. And I think I could do them all. I, I really do. If I just manage well enough, I can do two things at the same time. I can multitask. I can go on retreat and also do this. Obviously, I can't, but I get into this place of trying to figure out how I can manipulate it so we can all work out the way I want it to because then I will arrive. Then I will have what I need to have. And it's just a story I've made up in my mind. And so if I can recognize, and once I recognize, oh, I'm greedy, then there's a little bit of release, that then that grasping releases and I can let go. And then there's the ability to steady the mind. There's this, this, there's a chance that we're not caught up in that, that, that wheel of wanting, of craving, to, to, to cling, to cling is to suffer. I remember I came out of a retreat years ago and the one sentence I got out of the seven or 10 or however many days it was, was to cling is to suffer. To cling is to be uncomfortable. So how can I not cling to needing things to be a certain way? And then the opposite or the flip side of this, because Buddhism so often works in pairs, um, there's the sensory desire, and then the other side of that is the ill will or feelings of hostility, resentment, hatred, bitterness. And we move into this place of wanting to hurt or ourselves or others, there's, because there's a sense of discomfort that's, it's usually driven by discomfort, um, which is why the second foundation of mindfulness is so important, recognizing whether things are pleasant or unpleasant, because when things are pleasant, we want more. When things are unpleasant, we want to push them away. And that moves us into ill will. It moves us into that hostility or anger or blame. Blame is a good one. If there's some discomfort, there's a way, there's something that has to be at fault. And we see blame all the time. There's blame, big time blame, all capital letters happening all the time right now. If they would just do it right then it would be okay. This is their fault. And people are, if you read social media at all, or even just people are blaming, and it's like, they're just making stuff up. We're just making stuff up because we can't be with the uncomfortableness. We can't be with the discomfort. We have to do something to mitigate that unpleasantness. There's aversion, there's anger, there's fear, there's judgment. It's based on dislike. And we if we think of this hindrance as delusion, this delusion of aversion, of, of anger, of ill will, blocks us from uncom being uncomfortable. We can't deal with being uncomfortable. So we need to lash out in some way and move in some direction to take the edge off. But again, this practice says, be with. Can you be with the uncomfortable? Can you be with this discomfort? What's right here? The, the uncomfortable emotions, the fear, the sadness, the joy. Can you be with them and not blame? There is, again, I want to, I just want to put this out there. Of course, I understand there's, there's, 
injustice in the world. There's all those things. And people are, this is a practice also of accountability, absolute accountability. But I can recognize that people are causing harm and say, okay, there are steps that need to be done, but I'm not, I'm not seething with anger because that anger and hatred doesn't do anything except me feel really crappy. It's the, in, it's, you know, I'm the one who's swallowing the fire and burning up inside. The other person is probably totally um, oblivious. So it's like, I don't want to pick up that fire. I don't want to eat that, that flame. Um, I don't want, uh, you know, the, the, the famous sutta that the Buddha talks about, where our eyes are on fire, our ears are on fire, our nose, our, our mouth, everything's on fire. It's like we can let that go. We don't have to grasp on and get into that place. So the antidote to this is loving kindness. Because if we're in that place of, fuck you, loving kindness is really important. Compassion is really important. It's really important to cultivate that. Not easy, but we do it. Metta Sutta is really important. It talks about that. We, we omitting none. We wish well for everyone. I remember, and I, I, I've said this before, sitting in an airport, I, get, I can get really judgy about people and what they look like and how they're dressed. I mean, it's so easy. It's like the cross-section of humanity, all these people passing through. And, and I'm just sitting there, and I'm making up stories about who they are. And, and I, I remember years ago doing that. I was in Atlanta, the Atlanta airport, and I remember going, oh, wait, I forgot. I love them all. And it was just a simple judginess, which is aversion. This aversion, that hindrance shows up as being judgy. And just being judgy, and if I recognize it, I can go, oh, I love them. Why am I judging them? We're all in this together. They're all judging me too, and it's like, it's okay. And so to really bring that in is important. The next one, sloth and torpor, dullness, half-hearted action with little or no effort or concentration. It blurs, real, buries reality in a fog. It blurs reality. There's inertia. There's dullness, lethargy. Um, again, a lot of times it's based in being uncomfortable with the way things are and not willing to greet things, not willing to face up to stuff. Um, I am, uh, I like to think about this one as distraction from, distracting ourselves from reality. I am, I am working on a project right now. I've been working on it for a while. It's due like in a couple of weeks. It's actually probably due this week. I really need to have the bulk of it done. And I am, I'm clueless. I'm almost clueless. I'm not quite clueless, but I'm almost clueless. And when I get into that kind of a place, what I do is I'll play solitaire for like 12 hours in a row or something. Because it's like, I, it's just, and I'm like, Mary, don't do that. And I find myself going on my laptop because it, I check out. That's how sloth and torpor, how, that's how this hindrance shows up for me. I don't want to deal with the fact that, all this stuff that you can't see that's piled up over here that I have to work on is um, 
it's not, I'm just not going to be able to get to it and not going to be able to do it the way I want to do it because I also have this perfectionism. It's like, it's got to be perfect. And it, there's no way in hell it's going to be perfect. And I also have to learn HTML on top of it, but that's just my whining. It's like, I didn't know I was going to have to learn that. So anyway, um, so I, that's a hindrance. It's a delusion. That is, 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 if I recognize it, and as I said, some, uh, sometimes you can recognize these things and still fall into them, and it's like, oh, I recognize that's what I'm doing, and let me not do that as best as I can. Come back from the distraction and sit with the discomfort of not being perfect. Sit with the discomfort of not doing the, the work I, I, I thought, think I should be doing. So it happens. That's the distraction, sloth, torpor, dullness. It's a, that's one of my uh, go-tos. But I can recognize it for what it is. And, and the antidote is effort. Just enough effort. Joseph Goldstein um, says, choose the difficult, which is like, you know, and I think we know this innately about ourselves, that if we tend to strive, 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 maybe back off a little bit, but if we tend to go, oh, Mary, you worked on this for 10 minutes. You can play solitaire for an hour now. It's like, no, you can do it a little bit more. You can, you can push, push, push. So choose, choose the difficult. Do what needs to be done. That, the energy and the effort are what's really important. There's a lot going on in the world. A, we have a lot of stuff going on in our lives, and B, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world. So we have to be gentle with ourselves, but we should also recognize the reality of the emotions and the challenges of being alive in this moment and checking out. I mean, there's checking out that's healthy to just like take a break, and then there's just like, I'm going over here and I'm going to ignore reality. So that's, that's sloth and torpor. And then... Again, the pair, the other side of that is restlessness and worry. The inability to calm the mind and focus your energy. It's worry, it's regret, it's guilt, it's agitation. Excuse me, it's almost like too much energy where the mind is like bouncing, monkey mind, or it's like obsessive on one thing, replaying the same scenario over and over again planning mind got to figure this out figure this out figure this out or replaying the hit yesterday why did that happen blah 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 but that's the restless mind it's going here it's going there it's going everywhere we get stuck on stuff we're obsessed we're fixated or we're bouncing and so recognizing that and that also is driven by a lot of times uncomfortable feelings fear about the future I got to figure out how to fix it now so I won't be, I won't feel uncomfortable tomorrow. Or something uncomfortable happened yesterday, so I keep replaying it over and over and over again, trying to change the past. So I won't feel uncomfortable today. That's delusion. Nobody can do that. Nobody can fix the future so it never happens, you know, so it's planned out. Nobody can change the past. But the mind wants to try. That's the hindrance that gets in the way. Um, that's the restlessness and worry. And if you can name it, and once you name it, it gives you that pause. It gives you that breath. It allows you to step back and breathe a little bit. Oh, that's restlessness. That's worry. 
oh, I remember the first time I recognized my crazy mind as restlessness because I was like bouncing. And then I went, oh, wait, that's restlessness. It's like, oh, it shifted. It's an insight sometimes, and it just shifts how you can hold the experience. Sometimes it's just there's nothing there. The mind's just stuck on an old scenario because it's used to planning or it's used to this. It's thinking something's true. And if you can re, re, uh, I don't want to say reprogram, but reset and see it for what it is. Oh, I'm caught up in restlessness because there's a fear. And you slow down and you get underneath the story. With all of these, you slow down and you get underneath the story. You know, and the antidote is to relax. You know, come back to the breath. Sometimes a concentration practice, just coming back to the breath, coming back to the mind, coming back to the body, you know, just, or, or checking what's underneath this restlessness. What's underneath? This is where it's really important to drop below the story. A lot of, most of these are, but this one is really helpful because we are stuck in this story. And then the final, the final one is, is doubt, this lack of conviction or trust in our abilities. It can, it can be paralyzing, you know, where it's associated with fear, it's associated with resistance, inadequacy again, you know, our own inadequacy, but why bother? And all these other things, perfectionism. If I can't be perfect, I'm not going to do it at all. You know, doubt justifies its own existence, and makes a logical case for why you should give up. I, in, in the past, if I thought something um, about myself, like I couldn't get, I wasn't capable of doing something, and you'd say, sure you are, Mary. And I'd go, sit down, have a seat. I'm going to lay out all the reasons why I suck. And by the time we're done, you're going to believe me. It's all the stuff that's in here, that doubt, that doubt, that doubt. Um, again, underlying emotions of fear of what's it going to be like if I don't get this or this happens. Instead, with all of these, the invitation is always to be with the challenges. Be with the difficult emotions. Drop below the story of the wanting, the not wanting, the this, the that. And can we be with the difficult? Can you be with the challenging? The hindrances are all about getting away from those things, fixing what doesn't need to be fixed. We don't have to fix our emotions. We can't help our emotions. How do we rest with our emotions? That's, that's the question. That's what the practice is. Um, you know, I love the, the phrase, I see you, Mara. Mara is uh, the personification of these hindrances and, and, and the the teachings or the idea of that. And so to say, I see you, Mara. I see what's going on here. There's some pause. There's that recognition. And what's also important to recognize is when the hindrances are not present. We're, we oftentimes, it's like with, um, you know, we recognize when things are pleasant, when things are unpleasant, but we don't recognize when it's, when it's neither, when it, there's just this ease or this calm. Oftentimes, the mind thinks it's bored and it wants to create some something. 
create some chaos because boredom is like boring. But it's not. It's that, that when the hindrances are not present, then the, what you're finding is the awakening factors. There's some ease. Even with recognition, like there's restlessness or there's a difficult emotion. We can be at ease with a difficult emotion when we're not caught up in thinking we have to do something about it. We have to fix the sadness that's here. We have to fix the mourning or the grief that's present. We don't have to. We just tend to it with compassion and gentleness. We open our hearts to our experience. We bring a friendliness to it. And that's the, the seven factors of awakening. It's mindfulness, seeing clearly, recognizing what's happening, not being caught up in it, but seeing it, investigating it. What's up with this? What is this? Oh, that's what this is. And making the effort to stay here. And when you have those three things going on and you're not entranced in, in, in by the hindrances or the stories, there's an ease, this, a joy that just this ease of being, this tranquility, this collectedness of mind because we're not driven in a thousand directions by everything that's happening. And then there's the equanimity which is this appropriate response to whatever arises. And so when you are able to quell the hindrances, there's the arising of the awakening factors, which are, which are this little choo-choo train to Nibbana. So that's, that's why it's so important to recognize how subtle these hindrances can be because if you say aversion and, and, and ill will, it's like, I don't have ill will towards anyone. Oh, judgy? Oh, I can be judgy or whatever it is. So, you know, bring them down to how they show up in your life. So that's, that's the invitation for you is to, you know, reflect on these and how they show up on your life. It's so important because when we can do that, there's a release and a space and a freedom that's available. You know, they may show up, all these things, I'm not, I, I still have them, but the grip is so much less and it takes me a lot less time to recognize when I'm caught up. Um, maybe a day instead of a week or a month or years. Um, so it's, it's worth it, it's worth it. So. Thank you, thank you, thank you, my friends. Those are my thoughts on the hindrances, and uh, I appreciate your attention, and I hope it's been a benefit. Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology that makes these podcasts possible, please visit marystancavage.org backslash support. Thank you.